Thank you, guys. You know, this has been on my heart for so long, and if you guys listen to Graham Cook, um, you know how he always turns problems into such beautiful promises. He, he stands by the word of the Lord, and he, he switches his thinking. And that's what I want to um, show you guys tonight, how to be able to do that, to switch off that negative speaking and to be able to think positively to be able to think about the promises instead of the problems. Now, who here has a problem? I'm raising two hands for myself. Okay, and the rest of you don't? Wow, I'm impressed. Okay, well, I guess we don't need to pray for you then. No. Um, this is part of our daily life. There are problems, right? Would anybody want to throw a problem out to me? You don't have to mention names. You don't have to get, you know, uncover anybody or anything like that. Who wants? Hmm? Oh, bless their hearts. <laughs> right? <laughs> Was that you, Andy? Did you say? I can't see the glare. We were talking about that earlier. Okay, children are to be a blessing from the Lord, correct? And, you know, when you go through the terrific twos, and the tremendous teenager years, and then I haven't thought of something for the 20s because they all seem to be in that order. They go through a whole nother growth pattern during that time. And just as it being a problem, Angie, bless her heart, has three of her grown adult children at home still. Now, I know Angie, she's Italian. Us Italians, we want our kids close, but sometimes they need to go away and then come back, right? Um, like college and school, and, and she's a wonderful, fantastic mother. But sometimes we do so much, and we pour so much into them, and then all of a sudden they're not listening. You're talking to a brick wall, right? You hear me? So how do you turn that around into a promise? You go to the Word of God and you say, Lord, you gave me these kids. You, you gave them to me. I don't care how it looked. You gave them to me, right? And your word says that they're a blessing. And then your word says that a blessing from God, guess what? There's no trouble added to it. I don't know if he has his eyes closed during those twos and the 12-year-olds, the teens, and, and so forth and so on, and into the 20s if he's like, yeah, you're on your own. No. He's always there with us. So we have to change our thinking. My daughter, we, her and I moved in together um, in a house in the meadow. So we've been apart for five years. She has grown up so much. It's, it's wonderful. I thought I was still going to have a you know 19-year-old, 20-year-old on my hand, but she's 25. She's so much more mature. She doesn't whine all the time. So I'm really happy about that. But <laughs> she decided we needed a dog trainer. Now, I have been the dog trainer for the last four years. I have Pomeranians, can't you picture that? And they are divas. One's a girl, so I don't know what a diva guy is. Uh, you know, a boy puppy. But he's, they have ruled my home. They've ruled it. They've ruled it. They've ruled it. And I've let them. I mean, you can't come over to my house, right, Mimi, without them attacking you. I mean, lovingly attacking you. So she decided we needed a trainer since we moved into our new home together. And I'm like, you know, I'm open for it. Hey, if it makes my life easier, I'll go for it. Well, we got the dog whisperer, and I am not kidding. Have you ever seen that show? Um, the guy's amazing, okay? There's no magic. He's amazing. He understands the dogs and understands the problem of the owner, um, which is only me, not my daughter. It is me. I, I, I even told him, look, she's not the problem. I am the dog. He says, oh, I know that. And I was like, okay. I just wanted to clear the air, make sure you know who the problem is. So anyway, we get this dog trainer. I don't know where I'm going with this. But learning how, like, because it reminds me of children, learning how to walk in that place of this dog is not a human being. This dog has come from wolves, and they're used to packs. And they're not used to being treated like cute little fluffy puppies with feathers. Mine have feathers in their hair. Um, you know, and the little dresses and the sweaters and that kind of stuff. They're a whole different breed. They're not human beings, even though I think so. But they're not. So I'm learning how to treat my beautiful little fluffy things as dogs and not my babies. The same thing with children. We have to look at it in a different way. We're not their best bud. We are there to teach and to instruct them 
all along the way, all along the way. And guess what? It comes time where I love you. I'm here. You're not listening anymore. So, and I've done this with my own daughter. I'm like, well, then don't complain to me because number one, I'm your mom. Number two, I'm a problem solver. So I'm going to give you the answer. I don't want the answer. I just want to vent. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Okay. So when you have a problem, even as your children, we have to go to him, bring the verses to him, remind him of his word, of what he says. These kids are a blessing. <laughs> you know, I used to go through the whole house and remember, Abby, we'd anoint everything, you know, get the swords out and do warfare when the kids weren't home, of course, you know. And they'd come home, they're like, Mom's been in our room. I can smell the anointing. Mom's been in here, you know, doing warfare for them. So with a problem like a kid, we have to turn it around, and we have to flip it. And we flip it good and say, okay, Daddy, what do you want? Where is my place in here? Open up your heart. Listen to what he's saying, because what you may have been doing all along may not be what you're supposed to be doing at this time. He knows what he put in each one of them, and how to raise each one of them. Even though we think we might know how, no, he does. So how about another problem? Who has another problem? That probably co covered a few of you here. Nobody else? Where'd that get you? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> so is it at a car dealership? Is it single, private owner? And, you know, and I would just check online, what is the lemon law for private owner? I don't know myself, you know, buying it. But while you're doing that, asking the Lord, Lord, what, what do you want done here? Turning it around, taking that problem, and making it a promise of God. Lord, you said everything that we put our hands to will be blessed. I've prayed over cars. I'm sure you have too. And watch those puppies start. Graham, Graham Cook ran his car for six months with no gas in it. Just had his kids praying in tongues in the back. I'm not kidding. Six months with no gasoline. What is possible with impossible to us is so possible for him. So when the heart is in the right place, okay, Lord, show me what can be done. When you get in that right place, that happens a lot when um, people are going through divorce or separation or whatever. If your heart is still hung up over here in the hurt and the pain and the bitterness, that doesn't give the fresh move of the Holy Spirit to work through you. So here, Lord, we give you this car because you said everything, even though she may have made the choices on her own, God covers all that, right? Lord, we're asking for your blessings upon this, that it can be returned. You know, Lord, show us how to do it. So those kind of problems can be turned around. But it, it takes what you think, how what your perception is for your reaction. You can go ahead and react any way. There's a choice how you're going to take things. Like you said, you know, you're going to call them up, you know. I probably would, um, and say, you know, we need to do something about this, you know. But I would look at the law first, so then you've got that backing behind you. Three day, five day, there's different things. So I would, hmm? Right, right. You want to have the right heart, you know. And that's what God honors, and that's where he can just move and he can move. So you have a choice every time a problem presents itself. You can sit there and... Do the praises of hell, which is all the whining, the moaning, the complaining, the grumbling. Or you can turn it around and say, wow, God. We're gonna, I'm going to show you a video in a, in a minute um, of Graham Cook, and I love the story that he shows. So as soon as you get it up there, I'll shut up. Um, well, for a moment. So <laughs> he takes everything that he sees and what we need to do, every choice that we have, we have two ways to look at it. Is this going, am I going to make it a curse, speak it, declare it, and just tear up the earth with everything negative? Or am I going to turn around and bless God 
How many, how many of you know the scripture in James when it says, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you, these tribulations have come upon you. I'm like, oh, don't even. I knew he wrote that when he was out of tribulation, right? No. <laughs> it, it is to be a place. There's a key here, and I'll show you some more scriptures. There's a key of joy in your tribulations. There's a key of joy when you have problems. I'm going to show you this video. It's about five minutes, four minutes long. So, In life, this is how heaven would see it. No problem can come to you without a promise and a provision attached to it. Why? Because problems are designed to bring you into your provision through a promise. So every promise, every problem has a promise and a provision attached to it. Literally attached. You can't have one without the other. And what we're learning to do is to, to see the promise, step into the promise, and understand then that the situation that's occurring is designed to get me to live in that promise and move into that provision. So what happens then when you get a, a problem and you know who Jesus is for you? You get excited about that problem because it's amazing because what if the size of the problem tells you the size of the promise? And what if a promise is always bigger? So if the promise is bigger than the problem, how much bigger is the provision going to be? So you're starting to get stretched in your thinking and your perception and your language. So when you get a problem, you call your best friend. Hey, John. It's Graham. How's it going? <laughs> hey, did you see the game last night? Man alive. How many times are they going to pull that game out of the fire in the last two minutes? I tell you Supporting this team, I need a bigger heart. I need a heart like an elephant. My heart, you're like pounding in my chest. I know. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Hey, listen, I'm calling you because I got a problem. Yeah, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. No, I came this morning. Yeah, yeah, no, it's cool. It looks pretty big. I'm thinking, man, if I'm careful, I could keep this around for like two or three months, you know. Yeah, I knew something was up because the Holy Spirit came early. And you know what he's like, Mr. Enthusiasm, eh? <laughs> so he was like bouncing around the walls. I knew something was up. And then this problem came, and it's like, man, it's big. No, I haven't opened it yet. I've been too busy manifesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at it thinking, OMG. <laughs> if the problem's that, if that big, how much bigger is the promise? I know, I've not even opened it yet. I've just been, I'm beside myself. It's like, here I am and there I am, and we're next to each other, and we're both manifesting. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, how are you doing? You haven't got a problem. Well, hang in there, man. <laughs> One's bound to come, right? I mean, God is faithful. You're bound to get one. Yeah, just hang in there and believe, man. Something, something good's going to happen. Hey, but listen, um, do you want to share this one with me? No, before. Hey, but listen, dude, when you get a problem, I'll be expecting a phone call, right? Just saying. Okay, cool. So um, how soon can you get here? 40 minutes. Brilliant. Hey. Are you passing St. Arbucks? Could you get me a coffee? <laughs> That'd be great. Okay, see you in a few. Now, shouldn't that be the way? You got a problem. Wow. Think of the promise. Think of the provision. That means whatever this looks like, God is going to multiply the promise and the provision to take care of that stinking small little problem. How do we grow without problems? Think about it. If we don't have problems, we're not on our face as often, are we? 
we're not there because everything's going great. I'm in comfortable land, and it feels weird because there should be something to push me to keep me going. And God's like, oh, you know that little thing I've been, you know, showing you that we need to work on, that little thing deep down in your heart? Let's, let's, let's work with that, okay? He has a whole different perception. If we are supposed to be walking in his kingdom here on this earth, do you think he has problems in heaven? We're carrying the king of kings. We're hosting the presence of the Lord God Almighty. So if we have a problem because we live in the earthly realm, won't our daddy that is so, so good, like Luna said, so good, won't he provide everything along the way? But it depends on how you're going to see it, how you're go what you're going to speak forth, your perception, your choice. You have a choice. I want to turn to uh, Romans 12, 2, if you guys could put it up there for me. I've got more scriptures than I have time for, so. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind, that you may prove what is good and accept acceptable and what is the perfect will of God. When we renew our mind to line it up to see, to think, to hear like he does, this problem, like Graham, woohoo, what is God going to do? He's going to do something so amazing. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do. It takes that negativity, it takes that thought and that process off of, of your mind, which you know, stress and everything else, it takes it off of that problem. And it brings hope and it brings joy to what the promise is. We've been doing it all wrong. Again and again, he tells us to rejoice, to rejoice. Like I was saying earlier in James 1, would you put that up for me, 2.8? And I, I mean, I remember the first time I read this, I said, for sure, James was drunk on the new wine, or this was when he was out of the tribulation. Because how can you count it all joy when you fall into various trials because you are dying at that point. Well, you feel like you are. You feel like hell has been unleashed on you and everything, every spiritual, demonic, whatever is attacking you. But he says, count it as joy. Because knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. We won't even go there. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who will give it to all liberally, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. This faith, when we go through these trials, when we go through these problems, it's bringing you to a place of knowing, of knowledge, not just faith. Faith is the substance of things that we don't see. It's something that we are walking in. Okay, okay, God's going to do this for me. You see, there's still a little fear in that tone. Okay, I know he is. I, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for each other. But that fear that's coming across, that's because you don't, it hasn't come to the knowledge of knowing him yet. There's faith, there's trust, and then there's knowing. Well, I know my daddy's going to take care of it. I know my daddy's going to provide. I know my father in heaven is going to bring a bigger, bigger pr uh, provision and promise. I know my daddy, what's impossible for me is possible for him. That's knowing. Just what Luna said. I mean, exactly what she said. It was like between her and Jim, they could have preached the message tonight. I mean, Luna was like, I'm never stop being a mom. He never stops being a good good daddy. But if we don't have that, again, go back to relationship, like I always wind up with the intimacy, then how do we know? And it's not just that shaking faith that you have to go through trials to get that faith in order to get that knowing. There's a place where you cross that whole line and you come to, I know he's going to take care of it. I know it. He loves me. He's going to take care of it. I, I can't even see through the thick of it, <laughs> the fog of it, but my daddy is going 
to take care of it. You've then turned your whole situation, all of your circumstances into the heavenly realm. Then you're bringing the heavenly realm down here. Then you can walk in the heavenly realm. The blessings happen. The miracles happen. Because you know. You're in that place of knowing. I know my dad's going to do it. I know he's going to take care of it. I am so joyful and I am rejoicing that my daddy's going to do this. That is a key. I mean, Lord, show me this beautiful key today. He said, joy is the key. Because if you're not in joy and you're worrying and in your fear, how is God going to move? How is his kingdom going to move through that? Because you're worrying, you're worrying, you're scared. But when you're in joy, you're in peace. When you're in joy, my dad's got it. He's got the car. He's going to bless it. And guess what? My, there is God math that is not my math or, you know, worldly math. My God multiplies on top of multiplication, on top of multiplication. Watch what he does. I want to hear the testimony of what he does with your daughter's car because he's going to do it. 1 Corinthians 2.14 can you put that up for me? It's much easier to read it from there. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Okay, so the natural man, someone that isn't filled with the Holy Spirit, he's not going to be able to understand or perceive as God would want him to. I mean, God could do a whole Silas Paul thing with him, you know, for sure. But the word says the natural man. So the opposite of the natural man is the spiritual man. If you're in the spirit, you're in tune with him, you're going to be able to see. You're going to be able to hear. You're going to be, be able to understand what God is saying. The natural man, it's foolishness. You know, like trying to talk to your kids and tell them stuff, right? You know, <laughs> oh, we know that. Okay, I don't know why you're not doing it if you know it, but okay. You know, I mean, isn't that the story constantly with some of them? Um, so the spiritual man can receive. The spiritual man can discern. The foolish mind is not renewed. It doesn't have the opportunities like we do. So you could tell people, well, yeah, I know God's going to do this. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, right, really. Like, God's going to do that. Um, my daughter's uh, boyfriend, dog died. And, you know, it's been, you know, puppy, their, their dog for eight years. Well, before he died, I mean, still could bring him to healing rooms. You can do resurrections, right? You know, I, I told my daughter, I said, why don't you tell him to bring him to the healing rooms? We do. We pray for dogs. We've had horses, not inside the building, outside of the building. We've had horses, you know, where the healing teams came out of the prayer room and, and prayed for him. And the dogs, you know, you could bring in if they're small enough, even if they're big, it's okay. You know, and pray for them. They could be healed. Well, my daughter was like, you know, hey, he's dying. Let's, you know, let's try this. And he's like, well, no, that won't work. You know, and it was like that because he's, you know, um, not, he's pre-saved, let's put it that way. You know, so you see something like that. He didn't have the understanding. God wants us, our mind, to be renewed in alignment with him and what he has. And then uh, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, this is what uh, Luna was saying. This is exactly what Luna was saying. But I had the scripture written down, so we're just on the same Holy Spirit. Do we have it? Matthew 6, 25 through 34? No? Oh, okay, I'll read it. Um, this is, you know, everybody knows this one. It's like, do not worry, right? Therefore, and this is in red, so this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. I, I, I mean, we could stop right there. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. It's in red. It's not even one of the disciples. It's Jesus. Don't worry about your life. Huh. What you will eat or what you'll drink or about your body or what you put on it. 
Okay, I have a problem there. But is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor they reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Well, aren't you of more value than that? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Oh, sorry, Lord. I'm being convicted. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. And I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of those, these. Now, if God so clothes, clothes the grass of the fields, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he goes on to say, oh, you of little faith. This is Jesus, not me. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For all these things that the Gentiles seek, all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you need these. Okay, so he's like, you need these things. Don't I know that? I know what you need. But first, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added to you. 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day, it is its own trouble. I mean, how many times did he say, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't, don't worry. If you are a person of the flesh, like the scripture, the last scripture, that does not have the mind of the spirit, you're not going to be able to understand, oh, my daddy has got it. Because you're going to worry, 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 worry. Because that's all that you know. Do you know anybody that's like a worry wart? I think that's what they called them. You know, the Lord has called us to be warriors, not worriers. <laughs> you know, different a whole different meaning, meaning we are warriors, and a warrior cannot worry about what is coming, okay? He's equipped to be able to take on any battle or any tribulation and any trial. If he gets his mind over into the worry part, into the fear of it, he might as well count himself dead, seriously. If he's out there on the battlefield, and if that's what he's going to be thinking about, instead of thinking, you know, I've got my, I don't know, guns, M80. No, M80 is a bomb or something, isn't it? I don't know. I got all my equipment. <laughs> I've got my machine guns. I've got everything I need. I can do this. Because what's impossible to me is possible with him. That's how he wants us to think. Renew your mind. Philippians 4, 8. I love this scripture. Do we have that one? Oh, yay. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely. Look how pretty all that is, right? Whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's how you renew your mind. That's how you look at, oh, well, this problem, let me see. Is it, you know, am I going to speak negative against this? Or am I going to, oh, it went away. Bring it back, bring it back. Or am I going to think about what is pure, what is right, what is lovely, what is just? What is a good report? You're at the doctors and they give you this crazy report. I always had a thought about this and Please don't think there's judgment in this thought of mine whatsoever because I would not do that. But how many people do you know that didn't even know that they had a sickness or a disease? They went to the doctors. They found out that they had the sickness or the disease and they were dead in months. It's like, what if they didn't know? Would they still be alive? Think about that. I'm serious. Would they still be alive? Did they think on, I don't know why I'm clinging so much. Must be the jingle in my belt. Um, if they were thinking on what was pure, what was noble, on a good report, instead of you're taking all of that bad report in and your body is absorbing it 
like a sponge and going in and causing things to become even worse than what they are. I mean, think about that. We have a choice every time we receive news, a trial or a problem. What are you going to do with it? Second Peter 2.9. You know, our God wants us to understand he is right there. He is there to rescue. He is there to save. Hit me in. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to not talk without my hands. <laughs> he is there all the time. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. I know you guys all like that last part, right? Because God is going to take care of the unjust. But I'm focusing on the first part. He knows how to deliver you. Just like Luna was saying, she's never had anyone so dependent on her in her life. That's how we are with our daddy. He will deliver us from everything. And we have a choice whether to open the heavens for blessings or open it up to the praises of hell. We have a choice every time. John 16, Oops, wrong way. Unless you get, oh, you got up there. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world they'll have tribulation, but be of what? Good cheer. I have overcome the world. And I remember when I got, first got saved, I'm like, well, that's great. You've over, I mean, not being sarcastic. You, that's great. You've overcome all these circumstances. But here I am, little me, you know, on my face, on my knees, trying to, work out whatever problem I'm having at that moment. I'm glad that you've overcome the whole world, but what about me? But can you put that back up there, please? That in me you may have peace. You can't have peace and fear in the same space. You can't. And you're double-minded, right? Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Who needs that? He says, have peace. He's speaking to our spirit. He's speaking to our mind. Have peace. Be of good, good cheer. I mean, who, said, who talks like that anymore? But be, be happy. Rejoice. Be joyful. Because you know what? I've overcome everything, anything you're going through. Not a problem for me. Not a problem for him. You know, I always wondered about how come God, you know, your son came to earth. I mean, I know why he came to earth. But he came to earth, but yet he never had a home. He never had a place to live, I mean, to call his own. You know, it's like, Lord, I don't understand that. Why didn't he ever have that? And I believe what the Lord showed me was because he didn't have to worry about a thing. He chose not to worry about a thing. You know, I do not believe he slept on dirt and his head on rocks every night of his life. I believe those in the high places and those that had so much money, come, stay in my house, have my bed, and I'll sleep out here. Okay? He never worried about it. Was he like, oh, no, what's for dinner? He's like, hey, bring me the lunch and let's have dinner. He never worried I mean, did his clothes ever wear out? I mean, you know, I know the whole, you know, Moses thing, but, you know, we're talking Jesus, three and a half years. I mean, I am sure, you know, with even with what the king, three kings gave him and his mother and his father, you know, the frankincense, the myrrh, I mean, my gosh, this is, you know, like a lifetime of wealth that he had that was given to him at birth. Anybody catch that? That's been given to you at birth. All the wealth that he has has already been given to you. So why do you worry? You get into the negativity, you get into the fear, then there is no peace, there is no joy. And then how are the beautiful problems going to turn into the um, possibilities and the promises? How's that going to happen? Matthew 19, 26 
I know we all know that, the scripture. But Jesus looked at them and he said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all. What did he say? All, all, all things are possible. Not just in between the lines of what I want you to read or what you find, you know, in your revelation or whatever. No, everything is possible. We are the ones that carry the decision. He already wants to make it happen. He's that wonderful, good, good daddy. He is ready. He's ready. He's ready. And it's like, then we get over here and we cross the line. We get negativity and we're doubting and the confusion. And, oh, man, then we get discouraged. You know, let that bomb out. I mean, oh, my goodness, hopelessness. We get over there and he's like, oh, wait a minute. If you would just come back here, just come back here and let me bless your socks off. Let me bless you with everything that I have. <laughs> Psalm 13, 5 and 6. You know, I, I, went, I looked through like rejoice, glad. I, it was like over 400 times that it's in the, in the Bible. And I'm sure there's so many different ways of saying it also. But it, Psalms, you know, David's up one day, down one day, up. One day, down one day. Because he was fighting and then he was rejoicing and then he would be broken because he see the circumstances and then he'd pull himself back up again. If you want some good nuggets for joy, <laughs> read in Psalms. But I have trusted your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I mean, in an abundance my God has dealt with me. He's not this mean daddy, like Luna was saying. He is so full of goodness, so full of love, and he just wants us to be able to trust him. And then my heart shall rejoice. Your heart, your spirit, because it trusts a good, good daddy. Psalm 11, I mean, Psalm 5, 11 and 12. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defended them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. Favor. Surround you with favor. So everywhere you go, you're walking in this godly heavenly favor. And I mean, I have so much fun with it because, you know, you go and you get things on sale and everything's working out because you're hosting him. Because you're trusting him. You're rejoicing in him. He wants to retrain your brain because we've been brought up in such a negative place and just looking at everything not the way that he does. We need to change our perception. We need to change our choice that we make. Um, I've got a, a video I want to play. And this is Dr. Caroline Leaf. If you've never heard her, you have got to listen to her. Caroline and then Leaf, just like a leaf on the tree, L-E-A-F. Um, she is a Christian a neuroscientist. She talks a mile in a minute. She's so, I mean, your brain will hurt after listening to her because she stretches your brain. She debunks so much of the scientists and their research and what is not what they say. She's amazing. Um, I just download her on YouTube, but I just have, you know, tons and tons. I put it on a playlist, and I listen to her all the time. So this is about almost nine minutes long, but she is phenomenal. So I'm going to go ahead and roll that for I think it was 9, 9.13? Okay. It's hard to even cut her off because she's just fantastic. Do you need me? I can't hear what Here she is, but 
life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. You see, girls, we are in the events and the circumstances of life. You cannot control the events or circumstances of life, but you can control your reactions to those events and circumstances of life. Okay, so you as a thinking being are in the events and circumstances of life, and God says, I lay before you life and death. Okay, because from, as we know, from the fall of mankind, sin entered the world. Okay, so I lay before you. Then he says, but choose, choose, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. We know from brain science, and the science is simply catching up with the word of God. Okay, science is simply catching up with the word of God. We know from brain science that you are wired for love. Ladies, not one single circuit, chemical, or, or, or electro-neurophysiological thing inside of your brain and your body is designed for anything in the negative realm. Not one part of who you are in your spirit, soul, and your physical body is geared towards the negative. In science, it's called wired for love. They also call it the optimism bias. In the word of God, it is you are made in his image. Fear is not who you are. Love is who you are. We have two spiritual forces operating here. And the one is love. God is love. And you're in my Bible saying it. <gasps> that wasn't supposed to happen. the quickest nine minutes I've ever <laughs> encountered. Well, labor should go like that, right? This year I was doing retreat. But ladies, when you choose death, when you choose the whining and the negativity and the discouragement and the envy and the jealousy and the bitterness and the oh, feel sorry for myself and all the rest of it, we make the protein is no longer a fluffy pink protein because we don't have any wiring or chemicals anything for the negative so then the good stuff it goes all crazy and everything goes out of balance we have neurochemical chaos we have genetic expression happening in a chaotic environment so instead of producing a beautiful fluffy pink protein we make a distorted wiry looking protein and then that groups together into a tree because the law was set in place by god when he designed you as you think you will build substance inside of your brain so when you think and choose well you will build healthy substance when you think and choose badly you build unhealthy substance inside of your brain this is the counterfeit this is the learned fear this is the unnatural realm and we walk around saying things like oh well i just am this human i'm just this normal it's just that's why i did this whatever sin it was got irritated got frustrated oh well i'm just being human let me tell you something. Listen to this. You are made in God's image. You are wired for love. This is the normal zone. The love, this is the counterfeit zone. So when you do get irritated, frustrated, jealous, envious, whatever it may be, you've just stepped into the unnatural, unhuman zone. This is the zone of the enemy, the liar, the prince of darkness, and the one who is aiming to destroy you. And you can't unless you choose badly. Because this in here, what's happening over here, is destruction inside of you. This counterfeit physically changes in your body. We have no wiring for that. So when we wire that in, we take the good and we make the good all out of balance. It all goes crazy. The chemicals flow in the wrong quantities. The proteins look weird. They Everything looks weird. So you still physically build. But because this is the counterfeit, your brain's immune system and your body's immune This is an invasion. This is a stronghold of the enemy that we need to pull down. And this invasion, physically your body tries to reject this because this is not natural. And it's all imbalanced and creates a halo effect in your, in your brain. And you get inflammation in this area. And wherever there is inflammation, there is disease. So when we talk about the fact that stress kills, it's not the stress that's killing. It is the thoughts that are killing you. And the thoughts produce the stress. The stress is simply your body reacting to an invasion inside of your head. 
and your head, amen, and your head is controlling your entire body. So that little tiny thought that you are building, and you can build, you've got three million plus years worth of space in your brain. You, your brain's the size of your two fists. You have three million years plus of space in your brain. You will never run out of space in your brain. So all day long you are thinking, choosing, and building, and that's your normal, but when you make a bad choice, those inside of your brain. You build these distortions. These distortions cause inflammation. These distortions, these, these invasions, these toxic thoughts, these strongholds of the enemy, these are the mountains that we need to pull down. These are the things that what, what will happen with those things is that they will throw your body into stress. Listen to this. 75 to 98% of current mental and physical illnesses today come from 75 to 98% of current mental and physical illnesses today come from our thought life. Can you believe that? 75 to 98%. So therefore, what you are thinking is causing the dreaded diseases, the cancers, the heart attacks, the diabetes, the mental disorders, all these issues. So before you think condemnation and feel guilty and all the rest of it, condemnation comes from the enemy. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. It says in the Bible that there are consequences when you make a bad choice. And God is not being mean when he says, if you do this, this will happen. That is the life. That is the result. He warned you. He sent you Jesus who died on the cross, who rose again on the third day. He sent you the blood of Jesus. He sent you the word of God who became flesh. He gives you the word of God. He gives you churches. He gives you prayer. He gives you everything so that you will choose correctly, so that you and I will choose correctly. I forgot to warn you that she has a very strong accent <laughs> from South Africa, um, and then she talks so fast on top of it, so you really have to listen. But she's been a Christian all her life, and she's been a scientist for 30 years, a neuro, the brain. And she says there are groups of them that are so following what God is saying to do. And if you listen to some of her stuff, you would not believe how, I mean, with medication, she says how medication works. Oh, my gosh, it's, it's amazing. And I mean, I know there's a lot of things we do need. I, I, I promise you I understand all of that. But all the research that has really been done with so many things has not really been done. There has not been research to back up so many medications and um, diagnoses and diseases and so forth and so on. So phenomenal woman. And she does this like every week of her life. She has three beautiful children. She just goes from place to place, churches. I'd love to have her here someday and speaks. She was speaking at a woman's conference. So I'm sorry, guys, it wasn't just for women. Um, but what is she is saying when she said most of mental and diseases, 75 to 98%, did she say, are made up, are in our mind. The mental diseases, they're not real, okay? They're made up from our thoughts, or not even made up from our thoughts. I mean, I get it. You could have gone through hell and had an abusive life and horrible things, but as long as all that stuff stays in here, you're going to constantly play that record again and again. And again. And Jesus wants us to be healed. He wants us to take the problems and lay them at his feet and say, Daddy, bring on the promises. Bring on the provisions. I'm going to close with this last scripture from 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Do you guys have that one? Oh, there we go. <laughs> What's it say? Rejoice always, always. Do you know you're releasing wonderful, happy, endor is it endorphins, Mimi, when you're happy, right? Your good stuff, good stuff is coming out of you. You can walk in the room or be in the, 
anywhere, hospital, or you could be in a grocery store, and you could feel when somebody's releasing icky stuff, right? All of those thoughts. Last thing you want to do is, you know, pick those up and look like that wiry tree that she was showing. What she was saying that we were, if you couldn't understand her, we were born and made for love. Anything else is like poison in our system. So your system then goes and tries to fight off all this other negativity and bad stuff and fear. So your body is then putting itself into inflammation. Your body is then getting sick because it's trying to remove the toxic stuff. It doesn't know how to handle it. We're made in his image. In his image. That is the image of, of pure love. Thoughts produce the stress. If you focus, focus, focus on the problem, 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 it's going to bring stress. It's going to bring anxiety. It's going to bring fear. You're going to the doctors, and then you've got a whole list of things. If you rejoice always, you're going to see the circumstances turn around. You're going to be opening up the floodgates of heaven. You're going to be bringing heaven down, and you will see things change. Let's stand and pray, guys. Okay. If you have a problem, I want you to raise your hand or two or your feet and hands, however many, okay? Because we want to give those problems now to the Lord, okay? So I'm going to have you repeat after me. Father God, I give you this problem, and I receive the promises the possibilities, and the provision. Lord, you want to bless me. I know you do. I receive joy. I receive your renewed mind. I receive your perception of things. I receive your love. I want all the fear gone. I want all the anxiety gone. I want all the negative thoughts gone. In Jesus' name. I want to rejoice and rejoice always. In Jesus' name. Amen.